Jim Brown. I'm on the LC and Jack show. Listening to the LC and Jack Radio Show live from New York. And now, here are your hosts, LC and Jack. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the L.C. and Jack Radio Show with your man L.C. holding it down. Give us a shout here in the studio. You can reach us at area code 347-843-4738, the L.C. and Jack Radio Show. Our show is being brought to you by State Farm Insurance. For all your insurance needs, give them a shout. All your information can be located on statefarm.com. What's happening there, Brett? What's good, LC? How you doing, man? Yeah, hey, man, I'm trying to make it happen, man. I know you're uh, out and about, and you know, yes, you're, you're down in the ATL, got, so. Yes, sir. All right, well, perfect. I got perfect. my shorts on. I got my shorts on. <laughs> my knees are showing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> perfect. Well, we're gonna get right to it, there, Brad. Our guest this evening is one of the best football players of all time. He is also an accomplished actor who starred in several movies like The Dirty Dozen, 100 Rifles, and Three the Hard Way, to name a few. He's also the first athlete to be inducted into three professional Hall of Fames. Of course, everyone knows, pro football. But did you know he's also inducted in uh, lacrosse, um, as well as, I want to say baseball. Uh, He also is the founder of the American... I can, and works with our youth to guide them. So we're so pleased and welcome to the show, Mr. Jim Brown. Hi, hello, Mr. Brown. How are you? I'm real fine, guys. How are you doing? Doing, doing great. great, great, great. We uh, appreciate some time. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. What'd you say, Jim? It's good to be on your show. Well, thanks again, and uh, again, uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, we want to wish you uh, a happy belated birthday to, to yeah, start it off. happy birthday. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much. It's, it's only one day old. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> well, Jim, we're going we're gonna to jump right at it. Uh, we know you're on the West Coast, so you're wide awake and and ready to go. Um I guess the first thing I'd just like to ask you, or, or even say congratulations, uh, I was reading an article the other day, and uh, you're going to have your life story, a movie's going to be done of your life story. Is that correct? Well, we're talking about it, and uh, they're trying to put it together. Uh-huh. And it, uh, you know, so it's a great possibility, yes. Okay, great, great. So is that, you, you definitely think that's going to happen? Well... In the movie business, you never know until the money's in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
it's a very uh, you know changing industry, and uh, the bottom line is the financing that you have to get. Uh-huh. It isn't easy. It's not as easy as it used to be, but uh, we have a good product because the concept we're going to use is dealing with history through my eyes. It's not going to be a balanced thing. It's not going to be just a life story. It's going to be real strong points of views of a lot of people that played a great part in the development of this country. Excellent, excellent. Well, we we sure are here, myself and my partner in crime. Uh, my uh, apologies, not introducing you. My partner in crime is Cornbread. He's actually yes, he's actually down in the ATL right now, uh, Mr. Brown. So he wanted to uh, make sure he was a part of the show and had a you know opportunity to uh, chat with you this morning. So yes, that's it. Cornbread, um, good to say hello. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's like a dream come true. I'm about to pinch myself right now. <laughs> you don't have to do that. But, it's <laughs> but, see, but see, Mr. Brown, that's in my eyes. It's just like you said, don't go on by what you said. It's in my well, eyes. That's how I feel. See, if you know how I feel well, about you, so that's, that's why I'm giving you that respect, just to let you know. Well, I'll accept that. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. And if you ever need anybody to play a part of you, they say I look like you back when you, back in the day, so you know you you can use me as the youth in your story. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell the producers that. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, but he's gonna he's gonna tell them not to hold. He's gonna tell you not to hold your breath there, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Opportunity knocks. So the answer is door. <laughs> well, Jim, um, I, I got to ask you. Actually, we're, we're uh, New York guys out here, and we know. That um, you know, you you started, I guess, uh, going to school out here in Manhasset, New York. For those uh, that don't know, um, Mr. Jim Brown is from New York. I know you were not born here, but I believe you did most of your schooling here in New York. How did you decide? A lot of people don't know that you were maybe a better lacrosse player than football. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh yeah, I uh, I'm basically a country boy that moved to New York because my mother was there. Uh-huh. I lived with my uh, grandmother until she died. My great grandmother and my grandmother was raised me when I was a little boy. But uh, I went to Manassas High, and uh, lacrosse was very popular there. They had a coach, uh, Mr. Stranahan, Coach Stranahan, who you know uh, pushed the game. I picked it up. And uh, really liked it and played it all the way through college. And uh, the one thing about it is that uh, it's a great team sport. It was created by the Indians. It has a great history. It was Canada's national sport. And not too many African Americans played it. I think I was the only uh, black and that played the game during that particular time. Okay. I, I tell you, and there's still not a lot of blacks that play the game. So. I don't I don't understand why not, but I tell you, you you were well known for, for lacrosse as well as baseball and track. A lot of people are not aware of that. So you you were just a natural athlete. Would you say that? Well, I was an all-around athlete, and I had a great appreciation for all sports. And I played sports, you know, for the fun of it. Uh-huh. That's why I played lacrosse. You know, there was no professional lacrosse. There was no money to be made. But uh, I love sports. It was a great part of my life. 
so I played as many of them as I could. I was a national decathlete uh, participant, decathlon, and uh, I was very proud of that because it was very difficult, 10 events. And so, uh, you know, I just love sports, period. My kids now, my youngsters are playing soccer. Uh-huh. And they love it. So, you know, I'm not prejudiced about football. I think all sports have, you know, their, their upside. Right. I'm an advocate of it. All right. Well, that's great. That's great. What What was the reason that you chose football? Why Why not some of the other sports like baseball and the other sports of basketball you were very good in? Why did you decide to go and play play pro football? I felt football was uh, the sport that I could be more successful in, that I could be more economically uh, successful. And, uh, you know, I fit the mold probably better because in basketball I was in between. I was 6'2", but I was really a forward. And that's kind of short for a forward in basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So... Football seemed to be the sport that I would have the best career. Right. And it proved to be true because uh, I fit in, my skills fit in, and I had nine years very successful uh, in in the sport. Uh huh. And because I loved all sports, it really didn't make that much difference, you know. I didn't uh, regret not playing anything else. Uh, football was good to me. I was good to it. Right. I got out on time, you know, did my thing. I was age 29. We were world champions in 64. I was yes. MVP of the league when I left. And uh, the legacy is there. So, you know, my kids can discover that daddy played something, too. You know, they don't know yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're going to yeah. find out real quick. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the fun of it, that they don't know. And they just know I'm daddy and I'm the man, you know. But yeah. They, don't, right you know, they have their, their soccer career, and I... You know, I knew Pelé was real when I was coming up. He was the star. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did see the World Cup in England during uh, the time that uh, they had the Charlton Brothers in England won the World Cup. So I knew a little bit about it. It's a great world sport. And, you know, I let them play it, and they love it. So you don't have to be a football star. He can be a soccer star. Just as long as they're having fun. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's what I love about the, the way you come from. It's all about the fun of the game. And I think now, and I'll let you chime in on it, it seems like a lot of these athletes just do it for the money. Don't get me wrong. I guess, you know, you were one of the forefathers that paved that for them. But it doesn't seem like they don't have the love of the game like like yourself. Well, you have to look at the times. You got to look at the fact that when we played, uh, we had to fight for every inch of uh, room that we could get to be given the right opportunities. And we were appreciative to have the opportunity because it was so difficult to get it. Right. And uh, we were very conscious of the civil rights movement. We were big participants in that movement. We always called for freedom equality and justice. And uh, we were a little different. Most of us were college graduates. We understood education. We uh, were advocates for education. We stuck together. We believed in unity. And, uh, you know, we fought to open doors. We didn't just think of what money we made. As a star, I had to make sure that I looked out for all the other players who weren't stars but who should have a fair 
achievement in, you know, making a team or making a position on a mm-hmm. team. So the, the conditions were totally different. The attitude was totally different. Now money is the boss. And, you know, and you but you have the exception. You have Curtis Martin who just got into the Hall of Fame. Great community leader, great person. You have Ray Lewis, tremendous leader, a great uh, contributor to young kids around the Baltimore area. And so it isn't every player today that represents the non-interest because those two guys are friends of mine and they're ready to step up to the bat and become a unit to do anything that we feel would help, help the young people in this country. So you know, I bring those names up because I don't want to just act as if all the players are not interested in social change. Right. I agree with you. I'm glad you pointed out Curtis Martin. Him playing actually here in New York, I think uh, he's gotten that notoriety. Um, so I'm glad you point that out. But it, it seems like, and I'll throw I'll throw out different names, say like Tiger Woods, who obviously is in golf, and some of these other athletes that can really make a big difference because they, they're on top. It doesn't seem like they, they would take a stance like yourself. Obviously the times are different. But you were on the top of your game, and you really took some bold moves during that time when you know race, you know race, racism was at its all-time high. Well, I think you make the real point. Uh, there were, well, let's let's take it this way. You know, Michael was a great player, a nice human being. Tagger is a great player. I mean, great, great player. These guys are unbelievable in their particular fields. But their effect off the field does not lend itself to freedom equality and justice. It does not lend itself to the attitude of sacrifice and the the, uh, elimination of racism and discrimination. They play the game of popularity and finance. And Uh uh, I'm here in Vegas right now honoring Muhammad Ali. Because when you think of the ultimate sacrifice, Muhammad Ali made that sacrifice. Yes, when he was at the top of his game, he stood up like a man and 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 and, and fought the United States government. And yes, we sir. all together are meeting in Cleveland with the top black athletes in the country, uh-huh. along with the first black mayor of Cleveland, and backed his stand once we understood what he was doing. So it isn't Jim Brown's that stood up there during that era there was the great Muhammad Ali there was the great Bill Russell there was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and many others who could have lost their careers but who did not care because we felt that being a man was more important than being a star and being a dignified person with character and integrity was greater than being celebrity and being popular so we made, you know, uh, our stand, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, so I'm glad you brought that up. It's easy after your career to speak up, but at the peak of his career, Ali uh, lost his crown because he stood up for what he believed. Right. And that's and that's what it's all about. When you have the power, that's when you can shake things up and really make a difference. People take notice. Like you said, once, once you retire, don't get me wrong, some people still have... <laughs> The power, but it's not—it's not the power like uh, Michael Jordan had at his at his highlight. And even Tiger, he's still on top of his game somewhat. 
So he's got that yeah. really power to shake things up. Well, at least two points that you're making now are the key points. Uh, when it's over, it's easy to speak up. When you're at your height, when you have your power, you have the economics, you have the credentials, that's when you have to maximize yourself. That's when you can truly help others, and it's a great risk. But there's never going to be change without risk. We have wounded warriors now that go and defend our country that come back here, and their houses are foreclosed on. These guys have... Uh, mental problems that aren't taken care of. We have 100,000 homeless, and we don't pay attention to them. In football today, we have the old veterans who suffer from concussions, and they just finally proved that concussions come from these hits and that the league should take care of these individuals. We yep. have the worst pension plan in the world. So talking to you as a conscientious person, I can say all of these things, and I'm glad that I'm on your show to get a chance to say them. Well, we're, glad that, we're glad you're able to, to get here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, one of, one of the things there, uh, and I'll call you Mr. Brown, that's that's respect. You can call uh, me Jim. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have to call me Mr. Brown. But Jim. You can call me Mr. But Jim. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Um, I wanted to just say is that We've actually had on a, a couple of other NFL, but they're retired now. And uh, what we're going to do, I, I'm just going to plug this in while I have you now, and obviously I'll circle back with you, and I'm sure you might, and hopefully you can be a part of the forum. We're going to have a forum on this show, uh, retired plays, talking about just what you just said about the concussions. Um, I don't want to get too deep into it now because I kind of want to hit some other questions with you. But that concussion thing has been so kind of swept underneath the rug and uh, these players that like yourself and a lot of other players and specifically football they need to be taken care of the league is making so much money it's not a big deal to take care of the guys that you know help build it so let me can I step in and make one quick comment sure I was president of the players association I'll make this real simple the general public is not aware of how bad the pension plan is and the health care situation. If I was the president of the Players Association, I would do two things for the body of my players. Lifetime health care would be one, and a dignified pension of over $100,000 a year to all of my players. And that dignified pension and that health care situation would be the best thing that I could do for the body of players. And that is affordable. It can be done without hurting any economic situation in the league. And it's real simple and real clear. The union turned down the owner's offer for lifetime health care for immediate monies and they have cronies that are making a lot of money basically selling out the body of players Mm -hmm. because you should never have a National Football League player that is homeless or suffering from dementia and not being taken care of. Right. It is a crime. It should be brought out. It should be rectified. There's no doubt about it. The money is there. All we need is the leadership 
and for the public to be educated so this crime can be rectified. Well, I, I appreciate you, and like I said, uh, Jim, we're gonna we're gonna try to have a forum trying to reach out to a couple of the other former players like yourself. And uh, our job here on this show, one of the jobs is we like to spotlight all individuals, obviously individuals that have made a mark that are happen to have some fame, like yourself, but also the regular individual and what they're doing in the community. Uh, so we want to we're going to get these. Hopefully, get some former players like yourself on the forum, and just you know discuss it in detail. And uh, you know, hey, if I can if I can help a little bit to expose it, you know, I'm uh, I'm trying to do what you know what we are charged to do as you know as individuals. Well, you guys are doing it. I can't stay any longer. I've got to go. But let me say this: keep doing what you're doing. I think your forum will be fantastic. I think you should reach out to Michael, reach out to Tagger, and just tell them that there's a guy named Jim that will match anything that they will do to better the situation in all sports so that people who are suffering and need help, we can help them. Right. I'm not asking anybody to do anything that I won't do, but I'm just thinking that these guys should go on your show. They should take the challenge and give you the respect of what you're trying to do. Yeah, oh, I definitely... It, would definitely, it definitely would be nice if that would be the case. <laughs> but well, we're, we're going to try. We're going to dig. Believe that the bread man will come through. We're going to try to do that. I know you have to. You're going to have to run, but we're definitely going to have to get you back on the show. we got a ton of other information that we want to make sure that the listeners get uh, from you direct. So we're definitely going to reach back out to you, Jim. Well, if you guys uh-huh. reach back out, I'll be very glad to come back on. Yes, sir. Uh, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the great Jim Brown, all-time greatest, not just uh, athlete, but also a person in the community and making a difference. Jim, you want to thank you very much for coming on. Well, Brett, I tell you, what a great interview for Mr. Jim Brown. I keep calling him Mr., but that's, that's because of the respect that we have for Individuals like him that helped pave the way, and like he mentioned, Muhammad Ali and a lot of people out there that kind of paved the way for me, you, and everybody in this world to live a better, better life and be able to, I guess, work with all types of people. And that's what it's all about, Brett. Uh, I started doing it myself. You know, I was doing it, but I didn't know why I was doing it. So I had a a, a real grasp when I went to the Million Man March back in '96. Was, was it '96, '95? Uh-huh. And I went to the, and I took the message back, and so I really had a keen sense of why I'm doing this. You know, and and it felt good doing it too. It feels good to help people who uh, need direction. You know, who need to know. Real information, not false information. You know, we go, we search for stuff, and and uh, we research it, and we get it out to the masses. So, on, on every level, you know, if we're doing something in our neighborhood or somebody else's neighborhood, you know, it, it makes me feel good. You know, it seems like Mr. Brown, he's been doing it for so many years, and he's he's really enjoying himself doing it too. Yep, yep, he he paves the way, and for like he said, 
Curtis Martin and and others to pick up yeah, the Ray torch. Lewis. Ray Lewis, yeah. Yep. Pick up pick up the torch and continue. That's so, uh, us, you know, as you listen, continue to listen to the LC and Jack radio show. My man Brad, and yes, sir. we we gonna, you know, that's part of our responsibility as part of the media. But I think you'll find that this show, as you continue to listen and grow, is is positive, and uh, we we like to spotlight individuals making a difference, and they don't have to be famous. I mean, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. I love to hear you come, Jim Brown. Come through this show, you're going to be famous. They can't help it. That's right. You're right there, bro. You're going to be famous. This show, you're going to be famous. They're going to know. They're going to know. That's all right, baby. UK, all the way from Brentwood, all the way from Tampa, Florida. Come on now. Even where Mr. Jet lives, you're going to be famous. You know? Yeah, Mr. Jet, yeah. And big up there to Mr. Jet. Yes, but, uh, yep, so it's been great. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the interview. We're going to, you know, we're going to get him back on. Boy, yes, we sir. had a ton of questions for him. Uh, his schedule is tight, so we appreciate the time. You did a lot for us today. Yeah, yeah. He's going to Muhammad Ali's birthday party today. They have one for him in Hollywood, so that's probably where he had to go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he's, yeah. he's rolling and he's doing his thing, but um, yeah, it's just great, Brad. So we'll continue to roll the show again. We thank you for. You know, listening to another uh, edition of the LC and Jack show, and sure. until until next week. Good night. Peace.